Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios of Relate365.com and the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And today, I'm with my good friend Micah. How old are you, Micah? I am now 20, actually. Ica. Ica. How about that? <laughs> Micah's 20, I'm 65, and we're going to have a conversation across the table here, and I encourage you in your life to make sure you have friends that are older than you, and if you're older, make sure you have friends that are younger than you. Because what it does, it allows you to look at the world differently. And you can have discussions and dialogues, and these things are healthy for you. And that's really what Younger Older is all about. And uh, so you can go to the website, Relate365.com, and and download other episodes. Some of the episodes there are me just kind of sharing with the younger generation. We have a summer staff here, and, and I'll record those messages, and you can hear what's on my heart to talk to them about. Or it's a discussion with another person across the table. And uh, today it happens to be Micah, who was an MBI student for one year, and now you're going to stay as an RA. Yep, going to stay as an RA. So it's it's fun just having that opportunity to stay on another year. It's exciting. It's definitely going to be a growing period. I'm a little nervous, just a little bit, and I think it's a good thing to be nervous because it's a lot of responsibility to have there. But. It is. But, you, you know, as you love God and walk with him and love the guys, that's all you can do. And uh, once again, I found you work the plan you have while you make a better one. Uh, One of the really crazy things in life that I've learned is that we all want to control the future, but we can't. So how do you deal with it then? That's the question. You can't control pandemics. You can't control world peace. You can't control economies. Yet you want to plan for them, but you Mm -hmm. can't. So I tell people, get up every day, do what's right, work the plan you made until this point. Don't ever stop making plans. Make new ones today that fit what you know today. And always love God because he knows the future. So that's kind of the the summary of my old man advice for that. I know you've been uh, searching in the Bible and talking with other young people about stuff. What what What's on your mind today? Well, on my mind today, just... Uh we do like devos out here for summer and it's it's really great just to do devos with different people especially nbi year did devos with a lot of people and now moving on getting different people's advice and such and the other day we were looking in first john 5 for uh part okay. of the devos and there was just some stuff in there that i wasn't quite sure you know it's interesting. I don't know, you know, don't know everything in the Bible. And so this stuff caught my eye. I wasn't sure how to interpret it. So I wanted to know, you know, your thoughts on it and how that looked. So, okay. What verses? Uh, verses 16 to 18 um, in my, I don't know what translation you have. Oh, you can read it in whatever you got. <laughs> my, mine says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask God, shall ask God and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death there is a sin leading to death I do not say that he should make request for this all unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death we know that no one who was born of God sins but he who is born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him yeah yeah that is an interesting passage but I think there's a couple things in there to grab Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, when Jesus talked about coming to this earth, a lot of us think if, if we were to summarize why Jesus came to this earth, we would say to die, to pay for our sins. Mm-hmm. But when Jesus spoke of it, he said, I came to give you life. That's a little different. Mm-hmm. 
So right away, you want to begin to think of the terms life and death the way God does. And death in the Bible, all the way through, from the beginning in Genesis, all the way through means separation. There's a separation that takes place. Now, when you are separated from the way it's meant to be, that's death. Mm -hmm. So you don't have life. When you're separated from the way it's meant to be, there's no life. So if, if you can get somebody to live the way it's meant to be, they have life. If they're living apart from that, there's no life. Now, what I read when I see this is I say, okay, it, anyone sees his brother committing sin, not leading to death. There are some things, you go in the Bible and you were in one of our meetings not too long ago and I was just talking about there's times where God told prophets, don't pray for these people. Why? Because your prayers are worthless. These people have chosen to do this. Therefore, they're going to suffer the consequences of their choices, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I'm going to do about it because I gave them choice. So anybody that's listening today, if they said, I am bound and determined not to listen to God, not to know God, to live my life without him, and I want you to pray that God blesses me, what would you say to that? Mm. Yeah. I, I, I can't. <laughs> Why? Because he doesn't bless that. In other words, there's no way to help you. You have decided to live in death. That's your choice, not mine. If, if I can notice that you're doing something wrong, and I can pray that God would help you see that it's wrong and that you would change your ways, it just saved you from living a death life. Mm -hmm. and, and you can now live in life, live the way it's meant to be. And I think that's one of the important things that you realize is that Satan, through the, through the history, and one of his old tactics as a liar and a deceiver, is he takes terms and makes them fuzzy. So you don't really get what they mean in the first place. If I say the word death to somebody, immediately they have a, a, an idea of what it is. Mm -hmm. So death means my grandpa quit breathing, he's buried, that's death. In reality, that, that is death because now grandpa's separated from you. But I think you need to always go back and see what the definition really is so that you can apply it correctly when you read it. And death isn't always, some people always equate death with hell. It is, if you're in hell, you experience death because you're separated from God. But again, remember, it's the separation that is the definition, not the being in hell. So any human being today that is living apart from God does not have life. And if, if I would say that to the general public without hearing what you and I just discussed, they would think I'm a confused person. Mm, right. Because they'd say, well, I'm breathing. Uh, okay, that's not exactly what I meant. So mm -hmm. I think this passage, if you would go back with the guys and just and, and girls that you're having with, they just say, okay, let's, let's read this thing over again with the idea that, you know, death is separation, life is, you know, and there are sins, by the way, that here's my own personal belief in, in this kind of thing. There are certain passages in the Bible that people really have trouble with. For example, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that's not forgivable. Okay, what does that mean? Because mm. God's, well, obviously, if you're somebody who's, 
who God is convicting about your sin, your need for a Savior, you refuse to listen to God and, and put your trust in Jesus, there is no other way, remember. So there is no hope for you. That's all. So for God to say something that's absolute is God. And this is the way it is. So for me to say, I'm not listening. I am not, you know, I'm not going to listen to the Holy Spirit. As, as the Holy Spirit convicts me, not listening. Hmm. Okay, well, there's no hope for you. Likewise, a Christian, the Holy Spirit's convicting you of something, and you've decided not to listen. Is there any hope for that to work out well? Nope. When you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> it doesn't work well. And, and if it is uh, salvation-oriented, it really doesn't work well. You know, I mean, there's no hope for you then. Hmm. Um, likewise, if, you, if you're sinning, you commit sin, and, and this sin, I, I had a friend who uh, went to a Bible college, who served here at camp. In fact, it was my best friend at one time in the world. And um, we served together, and one day he decided that he was going to live his life apart from God. He didn't like what God was doing. He didn't like the way God worked. He didn't like, you know, he really wanted to have, um, I think, a lot of sexual affairs with a bunch of people and do whatever he wanted to do, and he didn't want to be limited by that. So he actually gave me all of his resources, his Bible resources, I still have some of them, gave me all of his stuff and said, I'm done with that. And I thought, oh, my heart's broken. But so then he went on. It wasn't long after that where I got a call that he had been murdered in Chicago area. He had gone to pick up a lady he was having an affair with, came out and, and sat in, uh, you know, was, wait, was sitting in the car waiting for her to come out. And as soon as she got in the car, her husband came the other way, put a gun to his head and blew him away. Mm. Now I'm thinking, okay, this wasn't necessary, but it's not reversible either. Right. What would have happened if he did love God and he listened to God and he wasn't there that day? I don't know because we don't know. Could it have been that God said at one point, you know what, you are my child, and I believe that he is God's child who refused to listen to him. And, and could, some would say he must not have been God's you know, look in the Bible, you see King Saul, you see others who are in heaven today that basically went through periods of life where they didn't know what they were doing, did not do what they should do. And it, it didn't kill them like this guy. But I do think there's a time where maybe, maybe, again, I'm not, I just think there's a time where God looks at us on this earth and thinks, you're my child, and you have refused to listen to me. There's no way you, you will ever glorify me as my child. There's no way you're going to point to me anymore. Mm -hmm. Come home. You're done. Yeah. So that's my thought on it. You know, whether that be valid or not, you can read the whole Bible and come up with your own conclusions. Uh, but uh, does that help at all with that passage and sort it out a little bit? A little bit. I mean, going back to what you were talking about, about salvation and the way things are meant to be, um, just looking back, um, as far as salvation and being like the whole concept of being born again in verse 18, something that was, um, just confusing me a little bit. It says that we know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. Yeah. And that's he who is born of God does not sin. Right. So what, what yeah. does that mean? Who, what translation are you using? Uh, new American standard. Yeah. 
the NIV has it different. And, it, and, and what I would suggest for everybody is to go look at different translations mm-hmm. from time to time because it gives you a different insight in how it is. It, it, and really, one of my favorite things, and I could look it up in a minute, but it, it is to go look at what's called Weiss translation, which is from the original. It's cumbersome. It's not something you want to read through completely because it's, it tries to take the exact wordage and put it into English. Mm. And so it's hard to grab. But we'll see if we can go there and take a look at it. But in this one, it says, we know that everyone, verse 18 in the ESV, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Uh-huh. So that's a different phrase than does not sin. Now, sometimes in the translation, the translation might come across as does not sin, mm-hmm. the, the way it's written, but the implications with how those words are used in the original language are probably different. And, and again, this makes sense because eventually those who love God and walk with God realize their sin. And remember, we're talking about responding to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is working on them. And they're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So then they eventually stop that behavior. Mm-hmm. So they don't keep doing that over and over again for forever because they're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, if they don't respond to the Holy Spirit, they're not going to have victory and that could be the sin unto death you know i mean mm-hmm. that could be it yeah at this point and again that would be consistent with what i said earlier about here's what i think you know there's a time where you're a believer and god says enough come home even though you're still a believer but you didn't listen to the holy spirit the whole time you're not doing what you should be doing this is not good mm-hmm. so what else you you just turned somewhere what do you got <laughs> i just turned somewhere yeah just um how <clears throat> you were saying um about that, not not keep on sinning, uh, just reminded me of something um, you talked about in like your classes before of having like a renewed mind and everything. And the passage in Romans twelve, uh, Romans twelve, um, twelve two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Right. Having that renewed mind, you know, as believers, we should have that renewed mind and. Also in Romans uh, twelve nine in the the second part of that passage in twelve nine it says abhor what it e- abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. So just just another reminder of having that mindset changed mindset of to not keep on sinning to cling to what is good. Yeah, you know it's interesting because this, the discussions are talking about it. There are times where people look at dead people and want to emulate them. Mm-hmm. And they're dead, or by definition. They're separated from what's right. They're separated from the way it's supposed to be. I mean, I don't know anyone that looks at a marriage that has been a disaster and say, I hope I'm that way someday. Mm. You know, we'd look at them and go, you're silly. You don't want to be that way. Well, why don't you look at one that works? Why don't you look at somebody who actually loves God, listens to God, and, and, and patterns their life after God? Look at their marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, because that, you know, takes some effort. It, these other marriages can be self-centered. How well do they work? And, and I think, when, again, you're talking about death and life here. Mm-hmm. One is separated from the way it's meant to be. One, one has no life. One is to- self-centeredness is death. Because this world that we live in is, is I was reading the, A Voice of the Martyrs, and one of the things that, that comes through in all of them is, 
this is a place we're traveling through. Mm. This isn't home. So we in America, we're so comfortable, we make it home. And then we look at all those people who have no clue who God is, and we start making decisions about life according to people who don't even know life. And we're wondering if we're missing out. Right. I don't know. Are you missing out on death? What are you, what are you missing? Right. You know, in the studio, there's a, a, a verse, What's a, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is um, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. And then it says, think on these things. Think, dwell. Okay, so, so when you think of, um, you know, you're dating somebody, so when you think of her, think of what's noble, what's right, what's, you know, you're not going to have trouble with wanting to use her and abuse her. And you, you're not going to have that trouble. Mm -hmm. Because you're filling your mind with what you should. And then you surround yourself with examples of people who have treated their, their, their either in their dating relationship, the person they're dating correctly or their spouse correctly. You go, okay, I see how it's done. Now you're giving yourself life. You are actually putting yourself in a position where you can have life. Yeah, well, why did the apostles then die? Because they didn't want to give up the life that they had. They were being mm -hmm. killed by dead people. Again, by definition. It, it, it's, everyone, you know, if you don't know what I'm saying, it's like, this guy's nuts. Live people who are dead killed him. Yep, you know, but yeah. it's like, no. No, because Christ came to give us life. And I think that what we need to wrestle with is the idea that, that God really wants us to live and enjoy this life. But the only way to do it is to realize we're transient. We're going through this life. And there's something beyond here that is forever that we have to keep an eye on. And to have life, we need to do it the way God created it, or we don't experience life. We experience death while we're alive. Mm -hmm. And if you read this passage and others in light of that, it, it can help you sort out the meanings of things. Yeah, yeah. That kind of brings me to the next uh, question that I was thinking about, been thinking about for a while. I'm um, just talking again about the way things were meant to be and um, modeling our lives after people who don't know God. And um, just what do you think, what are your thoughts on the whole idea of cohabitation? Yeah. Um, I know it's a big thing these days, you know, especially with the young people, they think they're missing out on something and they don't want to put in the work and the commitment as far as a real marriage goes. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. The, the Bible talks about the principles in life that God created us to have, and one of them is marriage. And the marriage idea is to be committed to another person. So if you ever get married someday, you know what I'll tell you. you. You need to be committed to that person. It isn't an arrangement that you're making. It's a commitment that you're making. Mm -hmm. So, so this commitment needs to be something where you say commitment has a definition. Commitment is something you make and you cannot break. That's why you don't make them quickly. You make them slowly to make sure that when you make a commitment, you will not break that commitment. So if you ever get married and, and I get to advise you and I do because I get to meet with you it is you make sure that when you get married, if you do, that you commit to this person for the rest of your life, regardless of the circumstances of life. And if you're not willing to do that, don't get married. Mm -hmm. Don't ever get married with the idea that you have an out somewhere. 
that's not a commitment anymore. That's an arrangement. And when people want to cohabitate, a lot of times I just think what you want is an arrangement, not a commitment. You want to check it out, live like it, see what it's like. Why don't you want to make a commitment for life? Mm-hmm. Why don't you want to do that? If a child comes from a union of two people, there's no possibility that that child will ever not have you as their father or mother. That's a lifetime commitment. Right. <clears throat> marriage is meant to be a lifetime commitment. Now, some might say, well, I could commit to marriage without a piece of paper. You know, I mean, we can be committed. I guess you can. I guess in other cultures, no matter where you are, there's different traditions and ways that people get married. Some, some do arranged marriages, some yeah, whatever it might be. I'm not sure what your culture is. Mm-hmm. But here's what I do know. That you and I, as we live, we get to demonstrate to our culture what faithfulness and commitment looks like. So if I'm a believer and I am going to commit myself to another believer, I want witnesses there to know that I have done that. Not only that, there's an accountability factor. Weddings, when you get married someday, the people that are at your wedding are hearing you make your commitment. Right. They are to hold you accountable now to that. Mm-hmm. These are your friends and your family. They are there listening to you make a commitment. Um, I think we need to take that seriously. Many years ago, I had a friend that, that uh, and I heard he was in another state down south, and I heard that his marriage was uh, dissolving. And I'd been at his wedding. He was a good friend. And uh, I actually got on a plane and went there. I said, you shouldn't do this. See, I was at your wedding. I understand what you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, Mike, it didn't work, and it didn't matter. Mm. But that was my job to do, to right. go and to say, I heard you make a commitment. Why are you breaking it? Now, those people that decide, we'll just cohabitate, we'll we'll. We'll make a commitment to one another. Who's going to do that to them? Who's going to know that they made a commitment to one another? Who saw the commitment? Who's going to hold them accountable? Right. And not only that, in our culture, you know, you don't have to have a big wedding. Nobody said you had to go and have, you know, 5,000 people and (laughs) and have a roasted pig or something. You don't don't have to do that. You can go and go to a justice of a peace and have five of your good friends there. But at least what you're doing is you're, you're making a statement, I want to honor God in this marriage. I want to I honor the other person I'm marrying and make a commitment, a public commitment. Now, public commitments are important. Mm-hmm. Um, Christianity, if you are a true believer, it says, what will you confess? You'll, you'll confess that Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. That's public. That, that's a public confession. You are also to be one who gets baptized. What is that? It's a public confession. Mm-hmm. When you get married, what do you do? A public confession. If you want to call it confession, you want to call it statement, I don't care. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, okay, we've made this public statement. And I've been at weddings that are very small, very large. You know, I mean, again, that is meaningless. What matters is, are you making a statement about 
the fact that you two are going, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You, you don't have to make it look fancy schmancy. You can be tired of the system the church has put in place or anyone else has for weddings. I understand that. But it doesn't lessen the idea that you need to be committed to one person for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and that you need friends around you, mentors, friends, whatever, to hold you accountable to it and that you can go to and talk to and you need examples in your life. So uh, the Bible does make it clear. One person, I mean, one man, one woman committed for life. That's the way it's meant to be. You don't want to do it that way. You know, regardless of your reasons, most of the time it's just, you know, either you're stubborn, you're self-centered, you're, you're reassigning value to various things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or you just didn't listen to God, you were sexually active, and now you're saying your commitment, you're committed to each other because there's a baby there. Mm-hmm. And, and you need to take care of the baby somehow, which is part of the reality of it. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that answers it, but that's, I think that would be the biblical response. Mm-hmm. And, and you would have to go through the whole Bible and realize there's a, there's a, um, there's a, a real oneness that comes uh, from the, the physical and sexual bond of two people. And God created it that way. Mm-hmm. And what happens to a, a society that destroys the way it's meant to be, it becomes just an act. Mm. It doesn't make oneness anymore. And everyone feels empty afterwards. And they keep trying to find fulfillment in that act. But there's no fulfillment because the fulfillment comes when you're actually one, when, when you're actually dying to yourself and you if one day your husband you're you're loving your wife because you realize that's what god told you to do Mm -hmm. so you're living the way it's meant to be and then you go you know this marriage thing's pretty cool yeah and uh, i love marriage as you know i love being married i love the fact that now i've been married over 40 years and i wouldn't trade any moment of it it's one of those things where Two people who are committed to each other. My family is stable. My kids are stable. They understand what it is for a couple to love one another, to love them. There's, I can see no negative, zero negative in listening to God. Mm. And would say, that's where life is, right there. On the other hand, I could show you disaster after disaster of those who didn't what their families look like, the trouble it is to live in a blended family, the troubles that exist. Down, yeah, I mean, I can show you those nonstop. Mm-hmm. But for those who honestly love God and love their spouse and have committed to their spouse, it's a beautiful thing. I remember seeing a, a, a very, very influential, I think he was a president of a college, his wife got some disease where she needed help full time. He resigned. Mm. He went and took care of her for the rest of her life. Yeah, that's where that commitment thing comes in. It does. And and she never had to worry because he would be there. Mm. And and that's the fun. That's the life part. And he said, well, look at all he missed out on. He didn't miss out on anything, I promise you. Mm, absolutely. He, he enjoyed being the person who took care of somebody who needed it, who he committed to for life, and he showed that he meant it. And that's really a simple thing. Well, I'm Dave Wager. I'm with Micah today. You're listening to Younger, Older. We appreciate you listening to us for a few moments. Uh, We're going to continue, but we're going to take a little break here. So you're off to go and listen to the next podcast. You can find those at Relate365.com. And we're coming to you from 
that studio on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Goodbye for now.